It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Well, hello, folks. This is Rich Bot, and we are delighted to be with you for today's complete story program exclusively for our listeners across the great state of Kansas. And we have a guest in the studio, and you're going to love getting to know your state treasurer, Jake LaTurner. Jake, welcome to the Bot Radio Network microphones. Thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Well, you have a remarkable story. Uh, you are, is it 30, 31 years old? 31. So you're young, a bright future, and you have a life story already filled with public service. You were telling me earlier about your parents, your dad, and I think it was your grandfather as well. You are currently serving as treasurer of the state of Kansas. Tell us a little bit of your background. Sure, I'd be happy to. I grew up in a small town in southeast Kansas called Galena, about 3,000 people. Um, wonderful childhood, um, church, family. Uh, we loved our country, um, taught a lot of the values that, um, that you want uh, our kids to be taught today. Um, raised there, uh, went to Pittsburgh State University, met my lovely wife Suzanne there, um, worked for a short-line railroad company in southeast Kansas, got elected to the state senate in 2012, uh, re-elected in 16, and I've been treasurer now for two and a half years, and my wife Suzanne and I are the proud parents of four young children, Ava, Joe, Maggie, and Gus. Uh, their ages are eight, seven, five, and two. Uh, and uh, my wife is a former kindergarten teacher, so it was really good training for what uh, our household is like now. <laughs> and um, uh, But live in Topeka now, and uh, it's just been a privilege to serve the people of Southeast Kansas in the Senate uh, and, and the people uh, in the whole state as state treasurer and fight on their behalf for conservative principles. Mm. And that's what I've been proud to do the whole way. Well, I want to get back into that here in just a minute. But also here in the Topeka Capital Journal, there's a headline that says, Jake Turner makes a big splash by being the first in the Senate race. Tell us about that. That's right. Um, you know, look, we think that it is vitally important that we get a solid conservative fighter in the United States Senate seat that uh, Pat Roberts is retiring from. You know, we have major issues we're dealing with as a country. Um, of course, cultural issues, attacks on the family, um, and, and things of that nature, um, but also real structural issues. $22 trillion in debt, trillion-dollar deficits every single year, 75% of our spending has already been decided upon over the next decade, and the real fundamental issues. We have socialists, uh, self-proclaimed socialists, roaming the halls of Congress. We have politicians standing up every day uh, and talking about things like infanticide. Um, vexes the mind um, that we are allowing our country to turn into this. And so we thought that it was vitally important to take the experience that I've had fighting on behalf of conservative causes in the Senate and as treasurer and using that experience to go to Washington, D.C., have a willingness to stand up to the special interests, to leadership, to move the needle uh, to make not just little changes, but we believe that we need big sweeping changes across this country. Absolutely. Uh, tell me about the ABLE bill, because I want to give our listeners some uh, examples of where you've led 
to advance the cause of life, for instance, perhaps in the Abel Bill, and then also the Simon's Law. Oh, I'd be happy to talk about both of those. So uh, the Abel Bill first. Um, Abel started when I was in the state Senate. And what it does is it allows folks living with a disability to save for their future. And it's a very important issue. Before the ABLE bill was passed, if you were living on disability benefits, you were in jeopardy of losing those benefits if you had over $2,000, not just in cash, but total assets. So think about that. That's a very low threshold, $2,000 in total assets. Um, So we were asking this very vulnerable population to be totally dependent upon the government and their family, their friends. Uh, couldn't help them uh, in the way that they wanted to. In fact, the individuals that were living on these uh, benefits weren't able to go out and work for themselves. And so we passed the ABLE Act here in Kansas. It's been my privilege to vote for it in the Senate and to administer that program as treasure. And we see it changing people's lives. Um, Met an older couple in Washington County, Kansas, uh, that were towards the end of life, doing end-of-life planning. They wanted to leave their only son who was living with, with a disability, they wanted to leave him his inheritance that he, he deserved. They couldn't do that before the ABLE Act because of it was so uh, restrictive in terms of what assets he could have. So now they're able to do that. Um, it's fundamentally changed this individual's life. Uh, and, and so it's a, it's a wonderful program. You also mentioned Simon's Law. Yes, I did. And that kind of had its start in St. Louis, but it was Kansas that picked it up first. That's right. It was the, the Crozier family. Little Simon Crozier was born with a chromosomal abnormality. Um, he only lived for a few short months, and um, he sadly passed away because he had a do-not-resuscitate order on his medical chart. The doctors put this do-not-resuscitate order on his medical chart. The parents didn't approve of it. They didn't know about it. The doctors unilaterally decided because he had a disability that his life wasn't wasn't as valuable as the rest of us. And the parents had no say. They had no say in it. And so as a father of four, um, I I was just blown away by this. Um, I had the great opportunity to visit with the Crozier family. They came to uh, Topeka. Um, So it was my pleasure after hearing their story, I knew that we had to put provisions in Kansas law to put parents in charge of these vital health care decisions. No one loves their children more than their parents, and they have to be a part of the decision making. And so authored a bill, introduced it, uh, and I am proud to say with the work and help of the Crozier family, Kansans for Life, a lot of good folks, um, we were the first state in the country to pass Simon's Law. Uh, right here in the state of Kansas. So very proud of that um, and was fortunate to uh, be awarded Kansans for Life Pro-Life Hero Award for my work on that. So it's, Well, wonderful. Congratulations for being a hero for life. Thank you. It's a, one of the things I'm most proud of. And then Governor Brownback signed it into law. That's exactly right. Just the, the day we, we made that happen was a, a day of um, truly we were rejoicing uh, to get that law on the books and make sure that children with disabilities uh, were protected here in the state of Kansas. Now then, you went from the the state senate to the statewide treasurer position and then also an election for the treasurer office statewide. But tell us about that sequence, how that came about. We always talk about how unlikely this was. Um, There were not that many people. A lot of us were were praying uh, mightily uh, that Donald Trump would win the election in 2016, but there weren't that many people that really uh, knew that it was going to happen. So Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, thank goodness. Uh, Well, you know what? I I would tell people... um, 
I, I only have, there's only one candidate that gives me hope for a pro-life Supreme Court. And exactly. I'm going to vote for hope for a pro-life Supreme Court. Exactly and, right. And lo and behold, he has delivered. He has absolutely delivered on this and so many other things, um, and just tremendous. But him winning that race, he had the good sense to pick Mike Pompeo as a CIA director at the time, now our Secretary of State, who I think is doing a wonderful job. Ron Estes, the current state treasurer, then current state treasurer of Kansas, uh, won that congressional district. Right, because Mike Pompeo was a, um, a congressman from, from Wichita, the Wichita area. Exactly right. So, so that left an open seat there in the Wichita area. Exactly right. And um, the then current state treasurer uh, filled that role in Ron Estes, and then I became state treasurer. So I, I just say that to illustrate how unlikely the it governor was. appointed you for that. Correct. So governor Brownback selected you to be the state treasurer. That's exactly right. So he had right. confidence in you. Yes. Uh, and, and so grateful for that appointment, and it's been a wonderful opportunity. And and then, of course, this last year, the people of Kansas uh, voted for me to fill the the role for the the next four years. So, which is very wonderful humbled. because um, a lot of people didn't win in Kansas, but you did. That's right. It was not um, not the best year to make sure we get good conservative candidates elected in Kansas, and it's something we've got to turn around in 2020. And I'm confident we can do it. Tell us about your upbringing now. Uh, you said you, you grew up in a small town, Galena, Kansas. You showed me on a map. It's pretty much at the extreme southeast part of the state. That's right. Galena is a wonderful place. So Galena is a type of lead. Um, and lead and zinc mining was the big uh, oh. ticket item in Galena back in the day. Uh, and so uh, an old mining community, um, wonderful people there. Um, my family has been down there for six generations um, and uh, j- just tremendous. Um, as I said to you, it was, you know, football on Friday nights and church on Sunday morning and um, very much had the small town vibe. We were able to ride our bikes everywhere around town with little supervision. Um, and, and just I, I really it makes me concerned for my children and so many today that we seem to be losing some of that small town feeling. Um, that I certainly grew up with, uh, where you just feel connected to everybody, a very uh, big sense of community. And we know how important that is to f- the sense of belonging uh, that people can feel in a community. And it's uh, something I certainly got to grow up with. Oh, tell us about your father and your grandfather. Uh, so my dad was a middle school history teacher and taught there in Galena and became the mayor of my hometown. And so, um, as I mentioned to you, I grew up uh, going door-to-door for my dad, going to city council meetings, um, absolutely uh, loved the experience. And it was very much around the dinner table. People, you know the old saying, people say, uh, if you don't talk about politics or religion, you can get along with almost anyone. We talked about politics and religion every single night around the dinner table. So (laughs) did we. And so it was um, uh, something that we loved and something that we grew up with. And it was very much expected of us to serve in some way. And so my, uh, my grandfather was also, he was the local barber. He was also a, a probate judge and um, uh, had a tremendous sense of fairness. And, um, you know, the mayor and the judge in the local town, I couldn't get away with anything growing up. Uh, so, you know, it, it kept you on the straight and narrow, uh, but also instilled in me a sense of service uh, that you have to give back um, and you have to be willing to uh, take time, energy, um, sacrifice to try to change things for the better. So then where, where did you go to school? So I went to Pittsburgh State University. I'm a gorilla. Uh, very proud of that. Met my wife, Suzanne, there. Um, Suzanne is from Chanute, Kansas. 
and um, and uh, we both met at Pittsburgh State University, and she was a kindergarten teacher for several years and now stays home with the four kiddos. Now so, tell me about your kids. You have four of them. I do, yeah. Ava, Joe, Maggie, and Gus, they're just wonderful, um, having summertime vacation right now, uh, playing with neighborhood friends and going to the pool uh, with mom and uh, – uh, just just tremendous uh, kids. They really are the central part of our life. And, um, you know, faith and family, um, without it, where would we be? Uh, and it, it really forms a foundation for the reasons for doing this. You know, when I wake up every day and go into work or um, working so hard to run for the U.S. Senate seat, my why, why are you doing this, uh, is very simple. It's because... Um, we want to do right by God, and we want to make sure that we are leaving a country uh, that our kids can be proud of, that they can prosper in. And it's not always easy. You know, it's um, attacks uh, by um, liberals in Washington, by the Hollywood uh, crowd. It's, um, it, it can be very difficult, but it's worth the fight. You know, as I see you, as I sit across the table here, I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth, but be an example of the believer. So, I mean, you are relatively young for somebody that has advanced this far in your public service, uh, the treasurer for the state of Kansas. Uh, why do you think that you could be a great senator in the United States Capitol? Oh, that's a good question. We think that my experience in both the public and private sector has prepared me to do this job. Um, again, in Kansas, we have done a decent job of electing people that vote the right way most of the time. Mm -hmm. But as you know, it doesn't matter if you're in politics or in business or whatever your walk of life is, the difference between voting the right way quietly and standing up and leading boldly on an issue is night and day difference. And we are at a point in this country, in our country right now, that we cannot afford to send people that will just quietly sit in the back. We need people who will stand up and who will lead on issues. And that's what I've done in my career. And I think that's exactly what we need in the United States Senate. Even when it's difficult. and you Especially don't, when it's difficult. Especially when it's, that's when the metal is tested in the fire. You mentioned earlier about serving and giving back. Uh, tell us about what you're doing as treasurer to give back to the people. Sure. So What and, is rightfully theirs. Yeah, of course. So one of the wonderful things that the treasurer's office does is we administer the unclaimed property for the state of Kansas. And for those of you that don't know, unclaimed property could be anything from an old uh, payroll check, an old utility deposit, a life insurance policy that never made its way to its rightful owners. So under Kansas law, if an, a business or an entity cannot find the proper owner of property, it's their job to turn it over to the state after five years. And then it's our job to find the owner. So in Kansas, we have over $350 million of unclaimed property, which is just a staggering number. And your listeners can find out if any of it belongs to them at kansascash.com, kansascash.com. And I, I will assure your listeners that if they don't have unclaimed property, I assure them that they know someone that does. Um, my first year as treasurer, we returned a record-breaking $26.5 million to the people of Kansas. That's uh, beat the previous record by over 12%. And this year, just in the last week, actually, we beat our own record and returned $27 million to the people of Kansas. So uh, extremely proud of this. And um, because, as you mentioned, 
it's not our money in the first place, and uh, it's our job to help return it to the people of Kansas. Well, I read something about uh, U.S. savings bonds, and uh, you're involved in in taking the United States government to court so that people can get the bonds uh, that are rightfully there, the proceeds. Yeah, Rich, it's such an important issue. During World War II, patriotic Americans purchased U.S. savings bonds to help the war effort. And those bonds now have fully matured. And in most cases, we're dealing with folks who have passed away. And the, the, the rightful owners of that savings bond are children or grandchildren of the original people that bought it in the first place. So to give you two different stories, as I mentioned in Kansas, we're returning a record amount of unclaimed property. And we're doing it by traveling to all 105 counties uh, of the state, which I have done. Um, we're on our second round of that right now. Um, we use social media in a way. We launched a new website, uh, kansascash.com. We implemented direct deposit instead of having to wait for a paper check. We're doing everything we can to return unclaimed property to people. The federal level is far different than that. You can't call and say, this is my social security number. Can you tell me? Did my, do, am I owed anything? You can't even call them with the actual serial number for the bond. You have to have the physical copy of the bond. And you can imagine how many of those have been lost um, or destroyed over the years. And so um, it's estimated that the federal government owes the people of this country over $23 billion dollars. And in Kansas, the number is $157 million that they believe uh, is owed to the people here. And so we don't think that that's right. We think they should um, live up to their word and return this money to the people that it belongs to. And so Kansas led the way uh, on suing uh, the federal government on this, and we just recently won in federal claims court. Of course, the feds are appealing the case. And we're hoping to work out a solution with the Trump administration with some congressional pressure to get this resolved at the end of the day, because it's been going on for too long. And, um, you know, they can make whatever arguments they want. But in their hearts, it's like Barry Goldwater used to say, in their hearts, they know we're <laughs> right, Rich. Now, I just read here, it says, upon being elected as Kansas treasurer, Laturner became the youngest statewide elected official in the United States, not just in the state of Kansas, but in the whole country. What is the minimum in the Constitution, the minimum age to uh, qualify for the U.S. Senate? It's 30, 25 in the House, 30 in the Senate. Um, but look, we think there's a lot of precedent for this happening successfully here lately. Josh Hawley yes. uh, was, was in his 30s. One of my heroes. Tom Cotton uh, in Arkansas in uh -huh. his 30s. Corey Gardner's a young guy. Todd Young in Indiana. Um, all young people um, that uh, ran for office. And, and they had a couple things in common. They were young. They represented generational change just like we do. Uh. And they were conservative. And when you're the conservative candidate in the race and you're the change candidate in the race, it's a powerful combination because people understand uh, we have a lot of big changes to make. And if, if your listeners out there are hungry uh, to vote for the exact same kind of candidate that they voted for in every election, I assure them there will be several options on the ballot this next year. But we think we represent something a little different. Now, that. this is going to be an open seat. Uh, Senator Roberts has served honorably for many, many years for the great state of Kansas. Yes, sir. And I remember in the last election, there were those critics that would say, what, he's too old. He's too old for another term. Uh, he won his uh, reelection, and now he's announced that he's going to retire after this term. So it'll be an open seat. And now you are one of the youngest in the country. So God bless you. Well, 
thank you. We we think that this is um, an exciting opportunity. We think people want a new generation of conservative leadership. And so we're taking that message across the state and getting very fo- positive feedback from folks. Again, just like folks like Josh Hawley did. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Hawley is a statewide elected official, uh, just as I am, and uh, a young guy uh, with a good, strong conservative message. And uh, that's what we have as well. Well, let's talk about that message now. There's seven points to it. Is that right? That's right. Tell us about those seven points. You know, your, your message. Sure. I started out in the grassroots of this party. I was a. I founded the Pitt State College Republicans uh, when I first got there. I was a precinct person. Um, I, I've knocked on doors and walked in parades and done all of those things for candidates. And I remember, Rich, during election years, we would have politicians come talk to us. And especially in election years, they always sounded so good. Uh-huh. You know, they always sounded so good and they were going to go take on the world uh, and change things. And then uh, once they got elected, they behaved a little bit differently than what they said they were going to behave uh, when they were first running. So, well, they call it Potomac fever or something. There's something in the water. They go to Washington and all of a sudden they forget the people back home. They forget the people that elected them to office. That's exactly right. And so it was important for us to empower the people of Kansas, the voters of Kansas, with some tools. And so we launched the Contract with Kansas. And your listeners can check that out at contractwithkansas.com, where we outline seven non-negotiable principles that we are going to stand on. Um, And among those are support for term limits at the federal level, uh, co-sponsoring Ted Cruz's term limit uh, bill, because we think it is vital that we get new, fresh faces to Washington, D.C. Second on the list is the need to secure our borders. We have an absolute uh, mess when it comes to our immigration system, and we need to fix it. We also talk about our support for passing welfare reform at the federal level. We have over, over 40 million people in this country on government dependence. You cannot have 40 million people on government dependence and not see that reverberate, the effects of that reverberate through the economy. Um, and of course, it'll save money and be more efficient and all of those good things. But the real reason for doing it, Rich, and we led on this in Kansas when I was in the legislature, the real reason for doing this is returning people uh, to the dignity that comes with work. Mm -hmm. So we believe very strongly in that. Um, We talk about the need to support conservative judges that don't legislate from the bench, but who interpret the Constitution the way it was originally intended when it was passed by our founders. Um, We talk about the need to make sure we have a Kansan on the Senate Agriculture Committee, because that's vital for our economy here, as um, your listeners will know. And we also talk about this, and I think it's important. I vow to live and raise my family here in Kansas. As you mentioned, Potomac fever is right. a, it's a real thing. I don't think you can represent people well unless you know them and you're interacting with them, with them on a daily basis. And so it's vital that you see them in church on Sunday and you see them when you're filling up your tank and you see them at the grocery store and you're interacting and you're hearing them and you know where they are on issues. It, it's the only way you can effectively represent people in Washington, D.C. Right. And uh, this says that you will only support pro-life judges. That's exactly right, yes. I, listen, something that I b- believe in so strongly if abortion is not wrong, nothing is wrong. Those words are loosely borrowed from President Lincoln, who hmm. said if slavery isn't wrong, nothing is wrong. I feel it's so true about abortion. If it isn't wrong, nothing is wrong. And we have to do everything we can to move the needle on this issue. And so it is important that we 
vet judges that we know where they're going to be on this important issue because, as you know well, we've been burned by justices that have gone on the Supreme Court in the past uh, who we thought were pro-life but uh, but haven't been. President Trump has done a tremendous job on this, uh, making sure that we get good, solid conservative judges, not just at the Supreme Court level, but in the uh, district court level and uh, in the like. So supporting pro-life judges is an absolute must. All right. Well, Jake LaTurner is our guest on The Complete Story. We're talking about Kansas, and this is airing all across the state of Kansas on Bot Radio Network. He is uh, not only the state treasurer for the state of Kansas, but also the first in the race running for Senate in 2020. 20. So that's coming right up. The, the timeline, I think you said about a year from now, we'll be having the primary election. That's right. And I always like to ask a candidate this. You said you're pro-life. Why are you pro-life? What informs your pro-life conviction? My faith. Life starts at conception. And um, I grew up with this. This was a non-negotiable. I told you that we talked about politics and religion around the dinner table. Um, This was an issue that was obvious to me at a very young age. And I grew up standing on life chains um, and uh, volunteering for pro-life candidates. It's what led me into politics. In fact, I'll tell you, in in high school, I was involved uh, with um, uh, speech and debate. And so I did the oratory. And the title of my speech was The Need to End Abortion in America. And I remember one of my judges at, uh, at, this, uh, at one of the uh, events that I went to wrote on there, too controversial, <laughs> too controversial. And I always remembered that um, when I was standing on the floor of the state Senate and got to cast a vote to ban dismemberment abortion mm-hmm. across the state of Kansas. And I thought, I'm so glad that um, this issue has been a part of my life and so glad to be a part of the movement because – and your listeners are leaders on this in their community. Um, we have to get this issue right. We cannot be weak or soft on it. We have to stand boldly for life uh, and uh, and profess it and, and make it an issue in races because Kansas is a pro-life state. Yeah, yes. Yes, that's right. God bless you. Jake LaTurner is our guest on today's Complete Story for the state of Kansas. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. Give us a call and uh, give us your comment. Uh, Jake uh, LaTurner is someone that has a faith to inform his pro-life convictions and he has a record to prove him. So God bless you. You'll be hearing a lot more about Jake LaTurner as this race proceeds. Thank you for being with us. So glad to be with you. Thank you.